Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse Ace. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse Ace and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Kate. Yes. But uh, <laughs> what's going on? Anything, anything going on? Anything? No, anything no. New? It's we have a polar vortex coming up. Uh, really looking forward well, that's, to that's, some. That's something. That's something. That's interesting because yeah. it's just boring, boring day. Otherwise, there's not much, not much on my plate. No. Not much to do. Really? Not much. Because uh... there's, well, a... there's one. There's one. There's one thing. There's a because there's a guy looking at me right now, and I there's a guy looking at you, and, and that guy's name is John Cheska. Woo! What? what? Yeah. So here we are. We're at our three hundredth episode, and oh uh, man, and and was, did you know what three hundred is? Like your three hundredth anniversary? It's got to be something weird because if you're already guess. done platinum, so like good. where can you go from that? Yep. It's like yep. a space rock from Mars or something, right? Yep, yeah. that's exactly what it is. I'm gonna say cool. beetroot. You just have to and beetroot. It's like a silver beetroot. It's like saying that's dipped in platinum that came from Mars. Yeah, how romantic! Yep, yep. Congratulations, both of you. Thank, thank you. you, and thank you for joining us. Yes. Oh heck yeah! This is the greatest thing. Are you kidding? Yeah. So for those of you listening who for I grew up on Mars with those space rocks that exist there. <laughs> uh, let me tell you a little bit about our guest before we go any further. Uh, this would be John Cheska. Uh, he's he's a children's writer, best known for picture books like The Stinky Cheese Man and uh, The True Story of the Three Little Pigs. He did the entire Guys Read book series along with the organization of Guys Read. And he did uh, the Time Warp Trio. And he did a particularly good book, uh, which uh, I enjoyed very much last year, called Dada Goose. Um, he's a Ooh, nationally recognized too. reading advocate. He uh, he's uh, he was our first U.S. national ambassador of young people's literature, appointed by the Librarian of Congress. Wow! Um, yeah, he does stuff. John, what haven't you done? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like keep talking, keep going. I'll find out. He was our yeah. first president. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he invented the nail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you you join wacky podcasts with uh, women that like to talk. Usually, well, Kate, what's what's the name of this podcast? Kate, Views Eight and Kate. That's right. What do we do on this podcast? We talk about beetroot and nope. uh, nails. <laughs> and no, nope. nope. not usually. Not usually. No, uh, we talk about picture books and whether they are good. Or crap. Correct. We are breaking. We are breaking the mold. Uh, we are. We are going and doing something a little, a little different this week because John, being our special guest and all, has selected what we're discussing, and it's not picture books. John, can you can you tell us what you suggested uh, that we well, do? Yeah, Betsy asked me for like maybe a classic uh, children's book that maybe didn't deserve to be a classic because we we always love to root out stuff like that. That's a very leading question, but it's a great idea. And then I thought I you know one book at a time, some I kind of like, I didn't like. I couldn't think of a real classic. Then I thought, oh man, of course. Like what does every kid's book illustrator end up doing 
fairy tales, like Grimm Brothers fairy tales. Uh, but there's so many good ones that people haven't done. I mean, everyone's done Red Riding Hood to Death mm -hmm. and Cinderella, uh, starting with the old guys, like, you know, Dore and... Oh, yeah. The original, like... Marsha Brown. Engraver guys. I mean, and, and more update guys, like Mark, James Marshall doing funny ones. Yeah, but yeah. Still, I don't know. I think people should like branch out a little bit because there, there's a couple other good ones there. So I selected a couple nice ones that I thought that Kate especially might like. So I gave Kate uh, the complete fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm as translated by none other than the great and amazing Jack Zipes. Uh, if you are talking fairy tales, if you're talking Grimm, you're talking Jack Zipes. And uh, so as a result, though, um, one of these stories I actually had to get a different translation of because you had specified certain details had to be included in these, John. And some of these translations, you know, God love uh, Jack Zipes, but he he did miss some stuff. So one of the stories uh, is a printout from Project Gutenberg. He might Another. have just tried to like gloss over it because as you know, some fairy tales are both a little more gross than others. Some are really frightening. Um, the ones we've selected are just odd. <laughs> I think that's, that's about as, I just can't even think of the word that describes these, but I read these as a kid in really? one of those fake editions uh, that looks like it's a nice old book, but it turns out I found a copy of that book because I remembered the binding. Uh, it was just crappy. It was just a crappy edition. <laughs> so I think they got the guys little out of the gas book station. That you got for 10 cents, yeah. Yeah, he translated it. The guy who did your tires, too. So. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> really stuck with me forever. Haunted me, I think. Kate, you go you go read those stories. And John and I will have a little conversation. Then you'll come back. Yeah, because we'll we thought, like, Kate's probably, we know she's seen Cinderella and Snow White. Sure, Even yeah. Rapunzel. I mean, that thing's weird. But we got weirder. So, Kate, go read these. They're short. You, it won't take you long. Uh, but, yeah, just find your favorite parts or the ones that make you scream. Bring it on. <laughs> so, John, uh, what, do you, what do you got going on? What do you got coming up? I always like hearing about your projects because they're never what a person expects you to be up to. I've had this long, long-running project. I swear, I think it's... 10 years ago, it was going to be a dystopian novel, all in invented spelling, like Ridley Walker, which just terrified every editor who got their hands on it. And then I finally realized, you know what? I've never really done stuff for older kids, like middle grade, YA, but it's kind of, it's a bunch of like fables and uh, some Zen koans, which are always Imagine. my favorite, and things walked into a bar joke. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And you just put all three together and you learn so much about human nature. Can we can we say what my working title was? No, no, please, please and, tell us. Okay, Fresh Fables. Well, now I think it might be now Fresh Fables for Tough Times. Oh, I see. I see. You took some of the edge off. That's nice. That's good. Because otherwise it was Fresh Fables for Beep Times. <laughs> Which I was just looking forward to seeing the fresh-faced young publicists having to read that in front of well, a room full of librarians. Well, it that. It stopped at the editors who would read it and go like, oh, dear God. <laughs> it was going to be good. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, I hope we get to see it soon. Kate, wow, you were off reading. I was. Kate, Kate was off reading. She's Imagine. back now. 
I'm back. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get through these because these are freaking weird. Dive in. <laughs> so the first story I read was the straw, the coal, and the bean. Now that's a, that's a catchy title you can dance to. I love it. Yeah, great title. Do, mm-hmm. so was that your first thought? Like great title. No, my first thought was there's no illustration, so I have to have this oh, all in my head, yeah. and it my head is weird there's this there's this old woman who's poor and she has beans to make for dinner now i was trying to figure out what kind of beans and i imagined hyacinth beans um they grow rapidly they like the summer heat it's completely edible the young leaves can be made into salad the older leaves can be cooked and the flowers are edible raw so if she found them in the wild she could eat the whole thing and not die. So yeah, your brain is a little different than most people, right? Is what you're saying. Like, I don't know that anyone would ever jump to hyacinth bean, but I'm glad you did. You know. No, it may come back to bite you in the butt at the end of the story. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) she's, uh, she's getting ready to put these beans in a pot. One of them slips to the floor and it's laying next to a piece of straw. Soon after, there's a piece of coal that jumps out of the hearth and it joins the straw and the bean. And then the straw starts talking, dear friends, where have you come from? And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Back then, everything talk. It's cool. It's cool. The, the coal says, well, I jumped out of the fire. And the bean says, I escaped by the skin of my teeth. And so now I'm picturing a bean with teeth. That's my brain. And she like said, it. okay, and here's here's something that's weird. The bean says, if the old woman had thrown me into the pot, I'd have been cooked into a soup without mercy like my comrades. This is not the first yeah. time bean says comrades. So is this like an ex-military bean? Did it serve in Nam? <laughs> like, what are what's going on but here? You've got just the right reaction, because these were my couple of my favorite stories just because I sort of knew the other ones from just, you know, reading comics, watching cartoons. And then I go, just like you did, it's like, wait a minute, the straw is talking? And now the bean is talking? And, and has teeth? And it's got, <laughs> I didn't imagine the teeth. But and now it, that you and said it's certainly numb. And where's the yeah. Disney movie for this? <laughs> my other favorite part, though, is that, like, he realized all my buddies have gone down. Yeah. I'm the only one left. Yeah. So it's a post-apocalyptic bean. Basically. Yeah, yeah. It gets really, really popped in a hurry. Yeah. Right. yeah. And and the coal asks, like, well, what should we do? And the bean, get ready for this, says, well, since we were so lucky to escape death, I think we should stick together like good comrades. All right. This is a little bit of Jack Zipes because not every translation says comrades. But does this one also say, like, we should now go to a foreign country? Yes, to be safe. we should head to a foreign country before there's a new fatality. See, this is why it made perfect sense to me as a little kid, because a lot of these other stories, you kind of get the message. You go like, all right, I get it. I get it. And then you go, wait a minute. Like, so if I fell out of a pot, I should go to another country. Got it. Right. Next right. bit of info, please. Yeah. Meanwhile, where's the, old, where's the old woman in all of this? Is she just sitting on the side going, why is a coal and a bean and straw talking to it? Am I high? What What Maybe is going there was on? Something in those beans. <laughs> is a, yeah. yeah. Well, the straw, the same thing happens, right? The straw is thinking like, oh, a bunch of my buddies went down. She threw like 60 of them. It, does this one mention like the number 60? Mm-hmm. 
I love the specificity of that. Like 60 of my friends went. Yes. Not like, a straw. Oh, straw. Like you probably know a lot more than 60 straw. <laughs> they, they run away. They're getting out of here. But they come across a small brook and they're trying to figure out how do they cross the brook? Well, the straw decides to be chivalrous um, and wants to lay itself over the brook so that the others can use it like a bridge, right? The coal apparently was still hot. And as it's yeah. going across the straw, burns the straw so that it breaks in half. And then the, well, it, it says the coal hit the water and gave up the ghost. So yeah, that's a good detail too. She hissed yeah. first. Um, and in this translation, do they, do they use the pronoun she? The only person that has a, a pronoun is at the very end, but I don't want to give it away just oh, yet right. because right. Yeah, you're right. we have the straw that is now broken in half because the coal burned it and now that's dead the coal has given up the ghost because it dropped into the water and now that's dead meanwhile the, Who's left? the bean who who just saw his comrades die his first instinct is not to say no my friends oh god why that why not me no again again he laughs so hard that he, he doesn't bursts. yeah doesn't just laugh but he bursts he yeah. bursts betsy that's horrifying now a tailor sees that he has burst goes up to the bean he has like needle and thread sews him back up and that's why all beans now have a black seam the end <laughs> thank goodness so look at all you've learned from this one, don't hang out with straw <laughs> or don't hang out with Bean. Bean doesn't don't hang out with shit. beans. They're heartless. Bean doesn't care. Monsters. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, though. That was a very like odd reaction by Bean. I'm not sure. Why didn't the tailor eat the bean? It's still edible. It was burst. Who's going to eat a burst bean? That's disgusting. I don't know. I, raw one. I wrote down the, the moral of the story is make friends, laugh when they die, and get a new tattoo along your side. That's it. That's it? Yep. Yeah. What more is That's it? why it was another one of my favorite stories. It was so refreshingly different. Yes. Yes. So oh, different. didn't learn yeah. anything else from this. Like, what uh, you happened? can't imagine Walt Disney doing a cute song to it. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think the Disney guys probably at one point, like in the 80s or something, when they had used every other fairy tale, went, oh, wait, here's another one. How about this one? Let me well, let me tell you a story that should be made into a Disney film. It's this next one. It is uh, <laughs> it's the Three Lazy Sons. Now this one does have one illustration, and it has a, a king smoking opium with a weather vane on his crown and wheels on his throne. So it's like a Renaissance wheelchair. A son that looks so bored, but. It claims that he's lazy, but he has all these buttons going down his arm. And I counted, and there's six. And you can't be lazy if you have to button every single one of these. I don't know. I, but there's also one more thing, Betsy. There's a clown. I, yeah. I hate, hate clowns. I hate clowns. Wait, what's, what's he doing in there? He is standing behind the king. That's it. He's just lurking. He's just... <laughs> menacingly staring. I think that was just a personal sister joke there. That had nothing to do with the deep moral fiber of, of this message that you get from this story. Okay, so let's get into this. So we, it, this is the shortest one of the three. The king has three sons and he's getting ready to die 
and he says to his kids, look, I've been thinking about it and I want to reveal it to you. I've decided that whoever is the laziest should become the king after me. And I kind of like that method that instead of the oldest getting to be the king, just whoever is the too lazy to reign shall reign. Yeah, you know what? I had never thought about it as a kid. I just, this whole story just cracked me up so much because I had all those brothers and I just thought, oh, hey, yeah. what would be the best thing to do? What would be the laziest thing? That's where I went. But the more I thought about it, rereading it the last couple of days, I thought, wait, was this some kind of slide dig at the monarchy? <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. think so. I think you're yeah. onto something there. Well, here's what the three brothers came up with. Uh, the first one said that when I'm sitting by a fire to warm myself, I'm not going to pull back my feet. I'm just going to let them burn. I was like, okay. <laughs> cool. Oh, sorry. Sorry. That was actually the second son. The first son oh. said that when oh, I'm yeah, yeah, that's right. when, when I'm laying on my back and I want to sleep and a drop of rain falls on my eyes, I won't even shut them so I can fall asleep. So apparently shutting your eyes is work. And yeah. so I'm going to be too, I'm going to be so lazy that I'm not even going to shut my eyes when I sleep. That's funny. I just like you, I had forgotten about that first guy. Cause that doesn't seem like much of a lazy thing. No. Like I was thinking more along the lines of like, I'm not going to tie my shoes. Maybe the third, right. the youngest. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I picked this one just for Kate. Thank you. Oh, this is why I like the first one the most. I understand that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the third one says, this is so awful. <laughs> I'm so lazy that if I'm about to be hanged and the noose is already around my neck and someone hands me a knife to cut the rope, I'd rather be hanged than lift my hand to cut the rope. To be fair, Sweet. it is really hard to cut a rope. <laughs> You have to really saw <laughs> no, it. No, no, no. you're too yeah. lazy to lift your. If you are so you lazy, get it to that point. Yeah, yeah you're right. you it's cannot like, save yourself from yeah. death. Right. That takes uh, the cake, and the and the yeah. king agrees. He says, "You've outdone the others, and you shall be king." The end. Totally a comment on the monarchy. You're completely correct, John. Yep, you're a perfect. Th yeah, the one the one I had had. I think he said, "You shall be king, for you are the fittest man." Oh, the fittest man. The fittest. The, the best fit for being king like right not even... like physically physically you're all lumps but yeah, <laughs> yeah you're interesting lumps, but you're not gonna lift your hand so the wow. moral of this story is be lazy to be a leader yeah yeah, yeah very much so very much well so. i thought the more global just like king to be like the best like the, so the lazier you are the better you are that's what i took <laughs> away from that in third grade i tried it out at saint luke's elementary did not get a good reception <laughs> The nuns. <laughs> Let's get into the last one. <clears throat> the mouse. Oh, I'm glad you saved my favorite for last. Oh, these three, yeah, they're me. all maybe maybe odd isn't the word. Maybe weird isn't. Maybe just like stupid. Yeah. But this goes next level, I think. Yeah. This this has a little more psychological nuance. <laughs> There's a lot more going on under the surface of this one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Really. All right. Yes. Yeah, this is the mouse, the bird, and the sausage. So it, another great title too, right? I mean, it, it it's very it similar to the first one, except this is two animals and meat. So still, but they're all talking together, and better yet, they're living together. Now, True. this one, the writing confused me a bit. Um, 
and maybe it's the translation, but it starts off by saying, a mouse, a bird, and a sausage entered into a partnership and set up house together. Whoa, that is Jack Zipes going an extra mile there. I think it's, I mean, it seems pretty clear to me they're in a relationship, so. Oh, I read it as they're all roommates in the same house. But then it says that uh, they lived in great comfort so far as to be able to add considerably to their stores. And I was like, wait a minute, are are they in business together? Are they expanding their bit? No, is okay. And then, (laughs) and then it go, and then later it says that the, uh, the bird went out and he met another bird and uh and this the, the our bird uh is uh boastfully saying uh, on the excellence of his household arrangements i'm like okay okay wait so we're going so now it is a house it's not so then what was the adding considerably to their stores about yeah i think that's just shoddy translation okay. i think yeah. Yeah, he shouldn't have confused you he should have just because i always just thought that's a sweet little house you know what i never even gave it a thought to think yeah, come to think of it, what the hell is a bird doing living with a sausage? I'm just saying. <laughs> like a sausage and a mouse, I understand. Yeah, but that's, that's yeah. God's will, but you know. It's like the rest old of news, right, weird. exactly. That's yeah. God's will, did you just say? So anyway. <laughs> so anyway, please get us out of this case. Okay, so <laughs> the, each character has their own duties. The bird's duty is to fly daily into the woods and bring in fuel. So like firewood. The mouse fetches water uh, and creates a fire, and the sausage cooks. Well, not just cooks, though, because that other important detail is the the one I love really the most in this story. Yeah, he flavors the sausage, or the flavors the stew by just getting in and rolling around it. Oh, 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 we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. So, okay, so the bird meets another bird. He's he's boasting about his arrangements. And the bird that he's talking to is like, you're an idiot. You you are doing all the work. You're going, and while the other two just stay at home, you're being taken advantage of. And our bird is yeah. like, oh, wow, I never thought about it like that. Okay, well, then I'm going to change things up. And so the next morning, the bird tells the mouse and the sausage, I don't want to go out and have to get the firewood anymore. One of you guys can do it. Now, here's the thing. If, if it was arranged so that the sausage had to bring in the wood, the mouse could have kept making the fire and fetching the water. But instead, all three change roles, which yeah. seems unnecessary. Like, the bird could have just switched out with one other character, but instead they all have to I don't do know. I think the bird wanted to really mix it up. Yeah, the bird was a little pissed off, too, because I think that other bird called him a poor simpleton. Oh, nice. Burn. Not very nice. Yes. Burn. Yeah. Big bird burn. burn. Like when another bird Bird says that to you, that's a total bird burn. (laughs) It's a bird bird burn. So this should work perfectly, right? That's what you're thinking. Right. So sausage sausage is going to go bring in the wood. The mouse is going to cook and the bird is going to go fetch the water. Now, the sausage goes out to get the wood and never comes back because it's sausage. The bird came across a dog. Because the the bird's trying to find the sausage because it hasn't come back yet. The bird comes across a dog who, having met the sausage, quote, had regarded him as his legitimate booty. Thank you. That's another That's the one best of translation of all mind. time. Yeah, and it, it makes perfect sense that he says, I'm not just a dog eating a sausage. He's legitimate booty 
because I think he has um, false credentials. Right. <laughs> he said for the dog answered that he had false credentials on the sausage. And that was the reason his life had to be forfeited. And I'm like, did his ID say like sausage McLovin or something on it? Like what are false credentials? Yeah. <laughs> It was sausage McLovin, and he was apparently 25, so he thought he was from Hawaii, which is weird if you're in the woods. So, (laughs) so the bird feels really bad and goes home uh, and tells the mouse what happened. And the mouse is like, "Well, I want to do what the sausage did," and so she (laughs) jumps into. I'm assuming um, I gave. Oh, no, it is a she. The book specifically says she jumped yeah. into the pot, um, you know, to to flavor, you know, the, the whatever. Oh, Perez and Martina. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. But stopping short, she, she stopped short long before she reached the bottom, having already parted not only with her skin and hair, but also her life. And I'm like, mouse. <laughs> You are wow. not the brightest crayon in the box, are you? <laughs> no, but she was that is to the, honor the sausage too. That's the best kicker. description ever of the action. I think I puzzled over that one as a kid for a little while. I was like, "Oh, wow, yeah." I guess all her yeah. hair came off as she boiled her guts alive yeah. in the stew. But here's my last confusion with this story. It says. The bird in, in, was in a flurry, was throwing wood here and there all about the floor, but then there's a big fire, and the bird is trying to, you know, fetch some water, but his pail fell in the well, and I'm like, wait a minute, is there a well in this house? <laughs> no, no, well. the house caught on fire. He had to rush out there and run out the to water. the well. Yeah. Oh, because the water. Okay. It, okay. It doesn't say that he ran outside of the house. To go to the we well. We did need more so, illustrations for Kate. You were right, I'm, Betsy. I'm a visual you person. A more pictures. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, but because he was, he fell into the well. He was unable to get out of the well, so he drowned. The end. <laughs> so two from drowning, one by dog. Well, oh, I think one more just by boiling. Oh, even though he was a bird and probably could have flown out of the well, but serves him right. So I think what we learned from like the the first one and this last one was just stay in your lane. This one sounds like no. Admittedly, it does sound to me like wait a minute. So one of them gets to go out of the house to work while the other two stay in the house to work, and then there's a problem when they switch roles. What are they trying to say here? Wait yeah. a minute. Well, I I wrote the moral of the story is if you listen to others' opinions, you'll die. So don't listen to anyone yeah. else and you'll be fine. When I was reading these, I was in Catholic school. So I just internalized all that and thought, oh, don't change. Whatever you're doing. If it ain't broke, job. don't you, fix it. You better stay with your job forever. <laughs> <laughs> but how great are those stories? Those are just like, not like anything else. I'd be curious to hear favorite to least favorite of the three. Um, t- number one, top, top of the pops. The one I would I would go home for. Oh, it's definitely that last one. I'm sorry, but the phrasing yeah. and then asking the sausage for ID and yeah. uh, it's just and then parting with your skin and you and just just ten, you have no notes, no notes, just really really good. <laughs> I'm totally with you. I'll just yeah. chime in here to agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, number two um, would be the three sluggards, uh, which was the three lazy uh, princes. 
Um, do, do, do. So yeah, clearly that one is because again, phrasing, right? So I'm a word person. I like the thought that went into <laughs> the levels of laziness. And I feel like this was the final draft, but there may have been some like earlier drafts where the Grimm brothers were like going through, like they heard a different version. Yeah. They're like, well, that's not sufficiently lazy. We're going to cut that out. And you know, originally it was like 10 brothers and they were like, oh, yeah, but top three, top three. And then they did it that way. And then uh, the lowest one. Yeah. I don't think the coal would die. That's, that's my note on that one. I think the cold be fine. Yeah, the fire went out, but it's cold. It's it's a rock. It's fine. So I don't oh. know. Not my favorite. Not my favorite that one. So uh, yeah. Wow, How about you that's that's deep thinking. Yeah, I'm with you. Mouse bird sausage, top of the pops, so good. Every one of those descriptions, like that's why it needs to be illustrated. It's just begging to see the hair coming off the mouth or the sausage. Like, where does he keep his credentials? By the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a skin, so does, yeah. does sausage have pants? I don't know. Sausage pants would be a good book too, by the way. But and sluggards, I just love for the sheer like what the heckness of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I just was so thrilled and with that as a kid. Like it made no sense to me because I didn't even think about like this was some kind of slap at the king. I just thought, <laughs> pretty How clearly, the hell is yeah. this a contest? Like really. <laughs> We're going to see who's the laziest, but I would like to be in on that. <laughs> so I think what we've learned from all of these is like uh, children's book illustrators are just lazy. Come on. Man. Clearly. Everyone's done Cinderella. Let's kick it up. Enough. Well, and, and translations matter a lot because I actually had the mouse bird and sausage story as my least favorite because it, the writing, oh. the writing just confused me. Like, is it a house or is it a store? What are false credentials? Why didn't the bird and the mouse just change roles? Like, surely food's the most important. I don't know. I, I, my fa my favorite was actually Betsy's least favorite, the straw, the pole, and the bean. It's so dark at the end. And then it tries to pull, like, an Aesop fable over your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the three lazy sons, it, it went by too fast. I wanted it to be a little longer, but... Oh, you wanted that 10... Sons version that I just yeah, but it kept with. going. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh, that's a very good. That would have been a. Good I wanted story. them to like one up their laziness because I see in yeah. the corporate world all the time those who are the most high highest up are the laziest. So it it rings a little too true Ooh. for me. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So that one hit home. I a guess too it hard. depends where you are in your life. How these stories. That's amazing. True. True. But that is like the cool part of these fairy tales. That even the way they were collected, they've been around for so long. And then they went through all these filters, starting with the Grimm brothers, who were just, you know, asking their nanny, asking their auntie to tell them a thing. And then they would clean them up too. And I recently found out I didn't know their youngest brother illustrated some of them for some of the editions. Yeah, Emil. There's another Grimm there brother. There's a third brother? Yeah, they had a bunch of them. A lot of them died, but Emo made it through. I think they put him through school because they were the older brothers. Um, but he brought all his like his religiousness to him because a couple of the illustrations I saw, I was like, wait a minute, there's no mouse or coal here or anything. There's just like a guy on a cross and an angel. How did that happen? <laughs> he managed to sneak that in like every story. But that's the oral tradition. You get to do what you want. If you're the teller, which I think like children's book writers and illustrators took to the next level, as you might've noticed, we get to do whatever we want with these. 
I say the darker, the weirder, the better. That's a good lesson. That's a very good lesson. So I guess. So I I think we'll eschew the rating system for this, Kate, since they're not technically picture books. So yeah. All right. Uh, For letters this week, Kate, all I'm going to do is I'm going to give all the different reasons people gave. So, John, we did a recent uh, three books that we thought potentially could win the Caldecott this year. And uh, one of those books was the Barbara McClintock book on Randolph Caldecott, uh, Tom Foolery. So we had there was a picture in that book from its original picture by Caldecott, which appears to be quite clearly um, and a man on a horse and his head is clearly exploding. So we were baffled and uh, and asked our, (laughs) our listeners, what is going on here? We got many, many suggestions uh a lot of people thought he was being pelted by eggs it looks like someone said it was a snowball fight um mm. my first thought is colonists throwing cups of tea at the british i think it was a little early for that or not a little late for that i guess uh hit in the face by a pie um finally someone who actually knew what it was uh wrote in and said, uh, it's the bottles of wine his wife forgot for their 20th anniversary celebration that he tied to his waist, which broke as they bounced behind him when the horse began to gallop. Aha. He was like, whoa, that old, that old that chestnut. Old chestnut. <laughs> yeah, the diverting history of John Gilpin. Uh, Everybody yes. knows that. Oh, yeah, it's classic. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> classic. I have to thank the person who did it unfortunately all i know her as is by her instagram handle handle which is girl schmoopy <laughs> so thank you girl schmoopy we uh that's me. oh that's me. thank you john thank you you're welcome i appreciate it <laughs> you're welcome i'm gonna call you schmoopy every right. time i see you now just call me schmoopy <laughs> it's less formal that way or the schmoop i go as the schmoop sometimes. the schmoops Shmoop. schmoopster yeah schmoopy poo schmoops nah, no no too much? No, too much. <laughs> Schmoopy poo. Oh, let me think about that. All right, all right. Are you ready for grown-up things we like, you goofballs? Yeah. All right. Guess first. Have you heard of the rabbit hole? A spectacular <gasps> children's book museum. Betsy, I see you raising wait, wait, your hand. I've heard of the rabbit hole. It's in Kansas yeah. City. And we've been out there because it started by Pete Cowden and Deb Pettit, who were independent bookstore owners in Kansas City for 25 plus years. And eight years ago, they had this great idea. They said, let's start a gigantic museum of children's books and make larger than life exhibits in like 30,000 square feet of an industrial building in North Kansas City. So they raised $15 million and have made this thing. And it's opening in March. Um, the New York Times just did this funky thing where they said like 25 places or 52 places to go in around the world. And number 21 is Kansas City. Go to the Rabbit Hole Museum opening. That's awesome. It is stunning. There is an entire goodnight moon room. Uh, but and the pictures don't do it justice because Deb, who's done a bunch of these exhibits, figured out like, Part of the magic is when you're there, it's 3D. You take a picture of it and it looks like the book again. You yeah. can't tell the difference. It looks like the book. You got the angles in the green room so that like it's oh. that weird. It would have to be very weird angles for things to be <laughs> as yeah. flat as and they it's are. Big. Yeah. It's so good. It gives me goosebumps. There's yeah. like everything. There's where the sidewalk ends. 
Martina, oh, there's just, Madeline is running along the railing, larger than life, teetering on the edge. And it's an immersive, and there's a bookstore, and it's going to be a place where events are. Um, so everyone, come out there. It's like March 23rd, right? Or March 12th is when it's opening, I think. That's yeah, awesome. I think you're right. But so exciting. Honestly, like the coolest thing to happen to kids' books in 3,000 years. Yes, sure. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And if you burst laughing, we'll have a tailor on site. <laughs> There's a tailor on site. To stitch you up. Uh, excellent choice. How about you excellent. guys? What, what kind of adult entertainment have you got? Okay, so mine's a cheat. I often cheat with this one. I'm cheating in a different way. So Uh-oh. even though I'm talking about the Wonka film, I'm not talking about the Wonka film. I'm talking about the composer of the music for the new Wonka film. All right. So there's a new Wonka film. It's shockingly good. Uh, it's by the people who did the Paddington films. Yeah. And the music was particularly good. And then I found out why the music was particularly good. It is by one um, Neil Hannon. Now, Neil Hannon, when I heard that that was who was doing the music, I was like, what? Neil Hannon was uh, part of, well, he was the group called Divine Comedy, which in the 90s was quite big. I was very into Divine Comedy. I am still into Divine Comedy. I love their music. He did do um, he did some music for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. He did the So Long and Thanks for All the Fish song, which was quite good. He turned Swallows and Amazons into a musical because that's how he rolls. But he did the music for this. It's great. It makes perfect sense that he would have been the composer behind it. So I am just going to recommend uh, Neil Hannon's music for Wonka. But also, if you haven't heard Divine Comedy recently, uh, go and get those albums. They're great. They stand up. They're fantastic. Okay. Um, well, my, hey, what do you got? Mine's a little different. Uh, one of my resolutions was to donate to a different charity each month. So this month I chose our local library, the Evanston Public Library. I feel like libraries need more support now more than ever, uh, especially with the recent book bannings. Um, and they do so much for communities that people don't realize. So yep. I encourage others to skip Starbucks for a week and take that money and put it towards your local library instead. I heartily approve this message. <laughs> Heck yeah. Excellent choice, Kate. Thank you. Fantastic. That's it. Well, team, that's so, and I'm so glad, Kate, that you got to read these most essential grim, when people start talking fairy tales, you can just sit them down and go like, listen, I got some for you. I know you've heard. Where do I begin? Oh, my granddaughters <laughs> keep asking for Rapunzel. And even like the cleaned up version of that one is terrible. Just horrible. You you can't clean it up. I mean, everyone tries to, but the little one who my wife, Jerry, calls the evil genius, just (laughs) gets in my library and that's all she wants. She goes, I want Rapunzel. Because she somehow knows we're like like trying to just sneak around and go like, no, I don't think I have one of those. She goes, yes, you do. I know what's your library. <laughs> I would love to see these three stories illustrated so that I could have one of them be my, every episode I have like a tattoo, uh, like which is an illustration pulled from the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know what I would, do I want the guy who has the noose around his neck, but he's too lazy to lift his arm to cut off? Or do I want the mouse that's boiled alive? Do um, I want a sausage pulling out an ID? That says sausage McLovin on it. I don't know. The choices are endless. Or I think it's the sausage like hanging in the pot with his. Yeah, or just like with it doing a swan. 
I think I've, I swear I've seen one, but maybe not. I thought I saw an illustrated sausage, <laughs> but maybe do you, or Bets, you might know there's, it's a, a bunch of uh, potatoes who are living and their legs are burnt matches. It was such a good illustration because with the, you know, like the match head burned on the end, they could yeah. pose them different ways and they ran around on their matchstick arms and legs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't know what the story was, but they're potatoes with match arms and legs. I don't know. But I think we can find out. Yes. Or if not, our listeners can. We will keep looking. We will keep looking. And until our listeners do, I've been Betsy. Our special guest has been... I'm John Sheska. And I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram, Threads, and Blue Sky at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our stinky cheese man is Drew Atienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate, Atienza, and Betsy Bird. <laughs>